0: We are in the book of Nehemiah, and so uh, what we've been talking about, what we talked about last week was the very beginning of Nehemiah's uh, book. Basically, the first part of Nehemiah are his memoirs, and he's talking about what happened to him. He writes it in the first person, and he talked about hearing about Jerusalem and the walls being destroyed and being burned, and and the vision he had for Jerusalem, and how uh, it broke his heart. And so I gave you guys an assignment this week, I don't know if you did it or not, I don't check up, I don't grade the assignments, Um, but it was to pay attention to what breaks your heart, to pay attention to where God might be saying, it's time for you to act, and so this might be a social justice issue, something that uh, you you have at the workplace maybe, where somebody's being bullied or some, at school or whatever, or there might be somebody who's being picked on, and it's really time for you to stand up and to speak out against it. Uh, maybe it's an issue with um, uh, there's a, something going on with race relations, and you and you're in the dominant race, and you say, you know what, I gotta say I gotta say something. This is what our denomination was created out of, was uh, hearts being broken for the poor, which is why um, uh, we have these five freedoms in our denomination. And um, one of them is uh, freedom for anybody from any socioeconomic class to worship together. It used to be back in the day where the rich people would sit up front and the poor people would sit in the back. Now, actually, the rich people sit in the back. But here's the point. Uh, It's... uh, that, and, so, and they charged for pews. Well, it broke B.T. Roberts' heart back in 1850, and so he started the Free Methodist Church. It broke his heart that white people uh, had seats and African Americans didn't. It broke his heart that slavery was still going on. It broke his heart um, that um, the Holy Spirit wasn't being celebrated in worship Okay, so the, 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 it, imagine the band up here just playing, and your job is just to sit and watch instead of participating. It broke his heart, which is why we say it's better when you're here, because it's part of what we do as a church family. We worship together. And so uh, it, it broke his heart that um, genders and different ways that we look at each other we're not completely equal, and so... That's another one of our freedoms for men and women to be able to lead together. And so uh, that was it. And so we asked last week, what, what breaks your heart? And does God want you to do something about it? So this week, uh, we, we ended last week with, with Nehemiah going, and I was cupbearer to the king. And I talked a little bit about that, about what that position might mean for Nehemiah. It could have been a position of power. Where he gets to, the, the, the king gets to hear him out and gets to, sometimes the cupbearer was an advisor to the king. And, um, and so, or it could have been just a, a servant. My, my point last week was that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your position is. That with a broken heart, if God is breaking your heart, if your heart is being transformed into God's heart. And you see something that needs to change. It doesn't matter what your position is. You don't need to be in a position of power. God can use anybody, which is another one of our freedoms in our, in our uh, church polity, is that laity, people who aren't in full-time ministry, like Jonathan and I, have an equal voice as, as the pastor does. And so, so on our boards, all of our boards in our whole denomination are half clergy and half laity because we believe that it doesn't matter what your position is. Whatever your job is, whatever, it doesn't matter. You have a voice, okay? So that's where we, where we ended up. And so we ended up with uh, um, uh, Nehemiah telling you a lot of what was going on. So now we, we pick up from there into chapter 2. And he says, in the month of Nisan, in the tw- uh, 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king." I had not been sad in his presence before. When you were around the king, your job was to be happy, right? Much like you guys are at work when you're around your boss, right? You're always happy to her or to him because that's, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, And so so that was their job. You didn't want to upset the king, mostly because he could kill you just like at work. Right? So, uh, but, but that was the thing. You didn't want to upset the king. And so when you're reading this for the first time, if you had opened up the scroll of Nehemiah and you just like took it off the shelf and you started reading this, you'd be like, oh my goodness, Nehemiah was sad in front of the king. That, that, that is a no-no. Okay? And so he says, I haven't been sad in his presence before. So, but I just want you to see one thing in the text. and This is what I love about the Bible. Things in the Bible actually happened. They're not stories, I mean, there's there's stories in there, but they actually took place at a time in history. So when Nehemiah in chapter 1 names a month, you go, oh, that was the month it happened. Well, Nehemiah just named another month, this Nisan, which is four months later than the month he talked about in the first chapter. Now, why is that important? Because we're going to have a little exercise later on uh, today in the the sermon uh, about talking about when God doesn't move when you want. See, his heart was broken and it says that he began to weep and mourn and it says he began to pray. He had been praying for four months when this particular thing took place. And that's very important because for some of you, you're in a season right now where your heart has been broken. Maybe for a family member, maybe for a neighbor, maybe a coworker, maybe some issue that you're having in your own life, your heart is broken, and you believe that God has you, you are connecting with the heart of God when your heart is broken, and change isn't coming. And my word to you this morning would be to keep praying, to keep mourning, and to keep waiting for God. And so this is what happens to Nehemiah. He's, he's been praying for four months, asking God, what would you have me do about the walls? What would you have me do about my, 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 my ancestor's resting place? What, what can I possibly do? I'm just cupbearer to the king. And so this, is, this, this, this matter in his heart is, is manifesting itself on his face. Do you have those people around you that say, what's wrong? And you go, What? I, how did you know? Because they know, they know you, right? And they know. There's just a little bit something different. This is what happened to him and the king. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. And so the king is exposing Nehemiah. This thing that uh, uh, that Nehemiah is going through. God brings an interruption to nehemiah's day i have uh, uh, i was thinking about this this week um so my wife's birthday's coming up and we were talking about um i didn't ask if i could share this okay well she's turning 30 and it's just a big deal so it's just uh, you now some people get embarrassed about that stuff i don't know whatever So we were talking about where we're going to go to eat dinner, right? And so, uh, you know, she has a restaurant picked out and all this kind of stuff. And and, uh, so um, I was just happy I I remembered the name of the restaurant. But uh, so she she tells me about this, and I, I was thinking this week, what? Who would I let interrupt that dinner? Like, who, who would I allow? So all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's time for us to go. We're all dressed up. We're ready. You know, we're all set. Um, I've called the credit card company and got an, an additional, you know, <laughs> amount set on the limits, you know. And we're all ready to go. And uh, and then, you know, the doorbell rings. Bang, bang And then all of a sudden, I open the door. And I was trying to think, who, who would I just go, honey? I, I got to go. So... Because this is in your small groups. This is one of the questions in your small group questions. Who would you cancel that date with, uh, for? So you can do living or dead. Okay, so here, here, here are some of my top ones. Martin Luther King. I would, I would say, I'm sorry, I got I to talk to this guy. I got, <laughs> like I would, I would go, go, we'd go out to dinner. I'd use my credit card. I'd pay for everything, right? I'd, I'd want to meet him. I'd want to talk to him. That's one. The President of the United States. Any president of the United States, not, not like any, like who gets that chance to meet with the president of the United States, right? You just drop everything and go, is there really a suitcase where you can start firing stuff all around? I just, that looks, can I see it? It looks, that would be so cool just to look at it, you know, the football or whatever they call it. Uh, speaking of football, Tom Brady, <laughs> okay? Tom Brady. I would open the door, well... First, I'd start crying, <laughs> right? Then I'd ask him, why couldn't you catch one pass in the Super Bowl? <laughs> like you're about as fast as a bar stool. That was t- terrible. I'd be very angry. But then I'd say, I forgive you, and then we'd go out to dinner. Right? So, so Tom, Tom Brady uh, would, would be one of them. LeBron James would be another one. Sorry, I just, I, I just want to talk to him and just say, hey, tell me about anything. I don't care. I'd I'd love it. So there's these people in our lives. I I asked Lisa if I could say Beyonce, and she said no, so I can't say Beyonce. uh Oh, okay. Uh, I'm just playing around. So, So there's these people that interrupt. Now, if you're paying attention to your pastor, okay, I said anyone alive or dead, and you as good parishioners should assume I was going to say Jesus, right? Because that's the answer to everything when you're a pastor. The answer is is Jesus. But here's, here's my point that I want to make this morning. I oftentimes don't like it when Jesus interrupts my plans. See, in my stories, I can say, oh, it's Martin Luther King. I'm in, I can take him out to dinner, and I can learn about all this stuff, or Tom Brady, and I can ask him why he's so slow, and you know, all these different things, right? But when Jesus interrupts my plans, oftentimes he has another agenda than what I have. Oftentimes he's bringing something to me that he says, you know what, we're going to be together for the next couple months on this, or we're going to be together for a while. Why don't you put off that thing you were going to do in the next month or whatever? We're going to change plans. And this is exactly what happened to Nehemiah. He's, he's, He's mourning the loss of his home country. And as we talked about uh, uh, last week, for those of you um, who went through those uh, the earthquakes in Mexico, where you're living here, but you have family there, and you have friends there, and you have people there that you say are your people, you understand what it feels like to see a tragedy. And we talked about the s- shooting last week, about seeing a tragedy and feeling what they feel. Oftentimes, when our heart is broken, it's Jesus interrupting our plans. Watch what Nehemiah says. He says, this can be nothing but sadness of heart. Nehemiah says, I was very much afraid. I was very much afraid. See, even though Nehemiah had been praying all this time, and he'd been fasting, and he'd been mourning, and he's been struggling, all of a sudden, God now begins to move and you would think that God's moving in our lives would be something that would be exciting. It would be like Tom Brady showing up at the... the and, and for other you guys who don't like Tom Brady, there's the door. I don't know what to tell you. No, I'm just, just playing. Yeah, yeah, geez. Sit down, golly, you people. But, but we, we have this thing like, like, like it's going to be exciting, it's going to be this. And oftentimes the first reaction, maybe I'm just talking to me, maybe it's just me. But the first reaction I have is, oh, oh no, and I'm, I'm fearful. That my plans might not work out the way I had planned. That this person might not react the way I'd want them to react. That this situation might not turn out the way that I had planned. And this is where Nehemiah was. He was very much afraid. I want to talk, we're going to have a little bit of time this morning to answer this question but what what are you afraid of what, what is it that you when you go to that place in your head you think man that, that's scary and it might not even be you're afraid for yourself it might be somebody else You're afraid you might lose somebody, you're afraid that they might not make a decision that they need to make. Maybe they've been making really bad decisions and you're afraid that they've never come to their senses. What 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 is it that you're afraid of? This is where Nehemiah was. At that time when you say, Wow, this could really go wrong. And here's the thing I know about God that's really frustrating. He allows us to go through stuff. God allows us to go through things that we don't want to go through. And so there's a, there's a reason to kind of be afraid. I was talking to um, my sister. My sister and I get along very, very well. We're very close. And I was talking to her about, uh, you know, we were talking about this sermon. I just said, you know, what, what, are, you, what are you afraid of? And all that. And she said, um, she said, you know what I hate about my theology? <laughs> Is that I pray to a God I know can allow anything because he's good. And so my prayers sometimes are like, ah, you're good. Watch what happens to Nehemiah. He was very much afraid. He was very much like you and I. It says this, I was very much afraid, but. <laughs> I was very much afraid, but. There's something that even in the midst of his fear, he's able to take one step. One step. Here's what he does. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. First of all, we need to start that here at Living Spring. (laughs) Because that's awesome. So let's just practice. Pastor John, no, I'm just kidding. Okay. That's how he talked to the king, this amount of respect. May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? See, even though Nehemiah is very scared, he's like, I'm going to take a step. I'm going I'm I'm to go for it. So let me ask you again, what are you afraid of? What is it that gets you scared? And can you take one step? That's what he does. The king says to me, what is it you want? (laughs) He gets past his fear. He could have said anything. He could have let his fear cripple him. He could have let his fear stop the hand of God. I know that's weird to say. You're like, well, how do you stop the hand of God? Well, we do it through a lot of things. Disobedience, okay? Like we, we, we there's a lot of things we do that can, get, that can stop God from having his will performed in your life. He doesn't say, oh, it's nothing, king. It's nothing. Oh, yeah, I stubbed my toe on the way in here. Clumsy me. Sorry. Here's your wine. Sorry about everything. Don't, don't mean to bug you. He, he faces that fear. This could, necess- this could cost me my life. This could cost me my job. This could cost me my comfort. This could cost me a relationship. But I take that one step. Now, Why does Nehemiah feel comfortable in front of the king, in the midst of his fear, taking that one step? Well, we see God says, what is it you want? And here's Nehemiah's response. Then I prayed to God of heaven. <laughs> I prayed to the God of heaven. Like, oh my goodness, this is really happening. Now, what's so fascinating about this verse to me is when I say to you, um, uh, I was talking to somebody and uh, they asked me a question and so I prayed about it. You would think I went home, right? and I got on my knees, I opened my Bible or I did whatever, like, when, when someone says, I prayed about it, you normally think there's this span of time that goes by for you to pray about it, right? So here's what he says. Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king. It happened in a nanosecond. Do you know why it happened in a nanosecond? Because he'd been praying for four months already. So when the time came, his prayer most likely Sounded something like this. Here goes, Lord. <laughs> wow, this is it, Lord. Help me. Uh-oh. <laughs> really? Should I do this? Just something real short. Because he'd already been in this relationship. His heart had already been broken. He had already began pouring out his heart to God. Probably with prayers that you and I would pray. God, God. My heart is broken for Jerusalem. I don't know. What can I possibly do? If there's any way, right? And we saw this in chapter one where he said to give him, he, he wanted favor with this man who was talking about, the king. He'd already been like, God, if there's a time when I could, when I, when I could talk to him and maybe, maybe I could, I could, I could Ask him for something. Or maybe he could send an army over there. Or maybe I could have a team of people. Or maybe he would give me some money or whatever. And I could send it over there or whatever. God, if you could do something. For four months, he prayed this. Probably things like that. There's just something you can do. And all of a sudden, this king says, he looks sad. What's up? And he prayed a prayer. I'm going in, Lord. (laughs) I'm going to do it. Maybe he said, give me me courage. I don't know what he prayed, but his prayer was fast because he already knew what was on his heart. And I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. See, in that four months, he wasn't just praying that God do some miracle. He was thinking to himself, I think God is calling me to rebuild this. I don't know what it is that you were afraid of when I asked you what you were afraid of. But sometimes our fears can cripple us to where we can't take that step. And so if I, if I could be so bold as to maybe reach into your life, maybe there's a relationship in your life that is broken. And there's good reason. They hurt you very badly. But things that, who knows what it is. And you're, you're right. You are right. You're 100% right. There's no fault of yours. God begins to soften your heart break your heart, you begin to think, man, I wonder if I'm supposed to be the one that goes back and rebuilds those walls. It might be with one of your kids, it might be with your parents, an old relationship where you need to go and say, hey, for what it's worth, I want to start building. But that fear, oh my goodness! If you knew this person, they're going to blow up. It's going to be crazy. They're going to the worse. And so our fear, we just sit behind our fear. And God says, "I want you to rebuild those walls." So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a couple minutes. I teach a theology class, um, and uh, and a lot of times it's past people becoming pastors. Okay. And so they have to take this theology class. What's going on? Is there a cat over there? No cats. Okay. Oh. oh. <laughs> Don't do that. So we have this class. And at the end of the class, I, uh, I have them do an exercise where I, um, I, I just put up on a whiteboard the word God. And then the rest of the whiteboard is blank. And I go, we're, you know, they're going to become pastors someday. I mean, they don't, not all of them. A lot of times, laity will take that class too. As a matter of fact, I'll be teaching that exact class here at Living Spring in May. So I'll let you know about that. You can, you can go to it. Uh, but we end up at the end because I want them to understand that when they go back to their churches or when they ha- end up in this, this call to ministry... That they don't serve the church. They don't enter into a career. They don't. They serve their God. And that's who they serve. My job is to do what God is calling me to do. And so we do this. And so I took a picture of the last one we did. I don't know if it's going to show up well on here. Uh, it, it does. And that took about 20 minutes. And so we're going to take a couple minutes, and we're going to look at that. Um, and I want you to take that fear that you thought of. Maybe you take the time to ask God, what is, what is, my, what is my fear? And then hopefully you can see that. It's my handwriting, so it's not very good. Um, and uh, maybe we can hit the uh, light's mark, and um, maybe you can see a little better. But there might be a word on there. That hits you. We have restorer, defender, provider, shield, light, comforter, everything. Love again and again. Refuge, savior, giver, teacher, revealer. Everywhere, living water, banner. Fun is up there. I like that one. God, God can be fun. There's no doubt. Maybe take the next couple minutes and just look at that. See if something resonates with you. And see, take your fear... And then, in the next couple minutes, match it up to that picture. All right, let's uh, let's take a couple minutes of <laughs> quiet. <laughs> So I told you this morning was going to be a little, a little different. So let me hear from you guys. I've probably done this once in the last twelve years. What, which one got you? I am. I am? Great. Hmm. Good. What's up? Mm-hmm. Almighty. Thanks, Ophelia. Friend. Healer. Comforter. Big. Hmm. <laughs> Big, yeah. mm mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you can have more than one. It's okay. What else? Mm. So, like I tell the class, uh, this is the God they'll be serving. This is the God we all serve. This God is bigger than your fear, no matter what it is. As real as it can be. Because I'm, I'm not telling you that your fears aren't real. They can actually happen. And we know that the theology of our God is that oftentimes he allows things to happen. But he's so good. And he's so in control. And he's so mighty. And he's so merciful. And he's so loving. That we know that even if our fears are realized, it's an opportunity to be with him even if our fears are realized it's an opportunity to get to know him more to have him interrupt our lives and while oftentimes with our own mind which is limited we, we can't understand why would god allow me to go through something like this this god can and will but he will never ever leave you while you're in the midst of it. So what fear do you have that even comes close to this God that we serve? The answer is none.